0: Cast with a, a voting conference, Dave, and it's not going to be the one that everyone's gonna be thinking about. I didn't get a ballot for the Big South preseason poll this year. You didn't? No. So I don't know if it can be a legitimate poll. Recount? Yeah. Fake news? Is it fraudulent?
1: It is fraudulent. Do we have a final in the labor commissioner ballot? I know. I
0: think that is still you no. Know, so for people that aren't in North Carolina, Sherry Berry. Who's the uh, the great the great Sherry Berry? He has her picture in literally every single elevator in the great state of North Carolina. It's, I, and she retired this year. She is not on the ballot.
1: I looked late last night, and Josh Dobson had yeah. 50.9 percent. Jessica Holmes 49.1 percent. But I have not seen a final
0: i think it's too close to call
1: this to me is vitally important because every <laughs> time you get in an elevator whose picture are you going to see yeah
0: right it's not gonna be sherry berries
1: it's not gonna be sherry berries we're obviously not gonna talk about the election in great detail because no one really cares what our opinions are but When you were watching coverage last night, whether it be on your computer, on the television, cable, network, I had a couple of kind of big picture thoughts. Did you have observations or feelings on what you were
0: seeing Well, I cleaned my office, and I was watching yacht or listening to yacht rock radio for most of the night. You know what? It's uh, I I tuned in at eight, watched about twenty minutes of it, and then went upstairs and and did some work, and then came down about ten, had a beer with Sam, and we were watching a little bit of it, and then it was like, you know, we could uh, we could stay up. but I said it's, this thing's not going to be decided until either today, as we tape on Wednesday, or maybe even it might be Thursday, even as late as Friday. So uh, I, I, I elected to get to, I like I elected sleep over uh, just refreshing Twitter every five minutes.
1: It's Wednesday at noon. We were going to record this podcast at 11:30. One of us didn't uh, get the memo. No, and here's
0: here's the thing. And, well, actually, we can't do it this way because nobody, nobody will be able to. We have to give the answer because everybody would right, rightfully think that it was me. It wasn't. And it wasn't. <laughs> I, I
1: I, am the one that set the time and place we would meet to do the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I thought about it before I went to bed. Yeah. I woke up much earlier yeah. than I normally do. I went through my routine of walking the dog and going for a run and taking a shower. And then somewhere in my head, the times got frazzled yeah. up and I left the house at the point in which I was supposed to be meeting you.
0: This is the Bearded Carcast. If you're just stumbling upon us, I'm Mike Pacheco. He is Dave Freeman. We are getting ready for basketball season, so we're actually taping this down at uh, Winthrop University, uh, the non-conference practice. Practice. What did I say?
1: No, you said we're at Winthrop uh, University. We're oh, here for practice. We're here for practice. we practice. practice. Yeah. We have to practice. Yeah,
0: we do have to practice. That's why we're doing the Bearded Carcast. So when we start doing games, it'll be it'll be like we haven't uh, well, you did a game. You did a game uh, last week. The uh, Charlotte 49ers. UTEP. I've got another one coming up. Gardner Webb playing yeah.
1: at UTEP. But that, that's, that's football. That's football. That's gladiator yeah. sports. That's gladiator sports. We're sports. talking basketball.
0: But uh, no, we're excited. Uh, we're still kind of working out the logistics on um, the Louisville bubble that Winthrop's going to be playing in, but it's pretty pretty strong field. Very strong, very strong field. field. Uh, Winter's first game will be against Seton Hall. I think four of the five opponents, twenty game winners from last year. So it's it's S I U E is in there. Little Rock is in there. SIU. S-I-U. not, not S-I-U-E. E, I know e. S I U. We 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 um, we saw them last year. We went to them two years ago. And of course, Winter played S I U. Uh, what was that? was it the, bolt of the dog? Remember? We, <laughs> we, 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 <laughs> yeah. It was like some famous dog. We, I don't
1: have wonderful memories of the area around southern Illinois. It, it was not. It one was of barren. The, it was not an area that I thought there was an abundance of things going yeah. on. I, I will not be vacationing. Yeah to the area. Well, that
0: wasn't one of our better social digital um, experiences, no. I don't think.
1: No. I mean, but but the facility was nice and the people oh, the kids, were nice and yeah, they yeah, a high level of basketball yep.
0: and there was a good crowd. Yeah, great crowd. But um, I wonder if Jeremy Chin was in attendance. I, I
1: don't know. I don't know. I, I, I want to, though, mention what I thought about the election coverage.
0: Yes, yes. What did you think of it?
1: I thought it was horrible. <laughs> absolutely horrible. Yeah. I thought I was watching someone report... The results of a tennis match after one game and going, Mike Pacheco is out to a commanding one love lead. <laughs> well, I haven't got a chance to serve yet. Well, what do you mean? I mean, to, to tell your viewers over and over and over for hours that. You know, that's 20, why I was
0: listening to yacht rock radio
1: <laughs> with 20% of the precincts reporting. It, it's a very tight race. Well, where did the votes come from? Did they come from the suburbs? Yeah. Did, I mean, like, like, well, and I know it, they can't so the, much more involved.
0: And I know they can't do this because that's, this is one of their big, I mean, let, let's face it. The election is what election season, whether it's the off year or the presidential election year, that is what keeps network, uh, news programs going. Um, just the program part of it, obviously the part of the network. But anyway, but the ad rates that they command, they know they're going to get a lot of eyeballs. To your point, I think they would be better served maybe coming on at 10 o'clock. At least have a little bit of meat on the bone.
1: Everybody needs the Joe Lenardi. Like, you can't have people that are generalists Mm. talking about something that is so abundantly specific. John King on CNN is a hero. Because he can go county by county Mm -hmm. in every state and say – while this county only has 15% of the precincts, and we're expecting that to be heavily read when that begins coming in. Last year, there were 400,000 votes from this county. We're expecting a little bit more than that. Now we switch to this county. You see 84% of the precincts reporting. He's actually breaking it yep. down. Yep. We, we live in 2020. You can like Ken Palm, or you cannot like Ken Palm, but the numbers and the facts and the figures are there. We've had a long discussions recently recently about baseball, how analytics have changed baseball. You can like the way the game has changed and you can not like the way the game has changed, but to say there there's a shift. What are you talking about? I didn't notice there were four infielders all yeah. from the shortstop position towards the right side or hold on. They throw the ball faster now and everyone swings for home runs. Like what we once believed to be well thought through election coverage doesn't work anymore because it's where are the votes coming from? To tell me 10% of the precincts are reporting, you have to tell me where those precincts are reporting from and then tell me about those precincts. Well, and the
0: networks need to really dial in and get that part of the analytics down because- I mean let's face it and this goes back not just the last election but you know targeting and data as part of elections I mean that's if you have a good data team that that's that's the I mean, that's the that's the that's the deal and that's why I, I think uh when we went to bed last night it was close to midnight and you know there was still some um you know at that point it looked like it was tipping heavy toward not tipping heavy but it was tipping towards Trump uh toward the incumbent president and you know, I was watching some of the reaction and some of the people were like, well, hold on a minute. Don't worry. You know, some of the people that had access to the data were saying, well, look, there's a lot out there. First of all, there's still a lot out there. And then um, a lot of in some states, uh, Republican, the, the local Republican um, legislatures didn't allow for counties to to get a head start. So they were actually counting, um, which seems very inefficient. Right. Because you feel like, you know, if you started counting that maybe at like five o'clock on Monday, uh, you know, by the time Tuesday rolls around, by 7 o'clock on Tuesday of the election day, a lot of states already have that information ready to go. Right. And
1: I don't care what the rules are. You can count in any order you want to count. But we need to know the mailed-in ballots will be counted first yeah. or they will be counted last or they will be counted within everything else. Yeah. And if you tell me in the state of North Carolina where it seems as though the president is going to win, that's perfectly fine. There's a big difference between if Mecklenburg County is counted first or Robeson County is counted first. Those are two idealistically different places. So if the first number comes up and it skews one way, if you tell me where the votes come from, I can say that's surprising or that's exactly as we expect.
0: Now, NBC did that. Uh, Steve Kranacki is kind of like their John King. I mean, he would... They had the, um, the touch, touch screen, and he would dial in to specific precincts and stuff like that. But
1: That should be yeah. all of the coverage. Yeah. The, the very broad stuff is, is nonsense. It's unhelpful. It, at 9 or 10 o'clock at night, there were people on television trying to tell you that Florida was too close to call. The New York Times said it was 95% at, I don't know, 745 hmm. I mean, because the New York Times is able to take the votes and say this came from here and this came from here and that came from over there. And this is how many remaining votes in each individual county are out there. And based on that information, it's very clear where this is going. It's analytics like you can ignore analytics in baseball and you will make incorrect moves and it will hurt you over the course of a one hundred and sixty two game season. But no one really cares because in the grand scheme of things, it's baseball. But if we cannot report accurately, what are we reporting? If you and I go to a Winthrop High Point game and High Point is leading by 10 with four minutes to go, and all we talk about is the officiating, Mm -hmm. and all we talk about is how High Point has hit some really hard shots, and we ignore the fact that Winthrop has turned the ball over 22 times <laughs> and is three of 23 from three-point land, yeah. we're lying. It's omission, yeah. but we're not telling the full story. I, I, I just I, I think that is inconceivable in this day and age that we don't try our best to paint an accurate picture of what we're seeing. I, I want Winthrop to win. Every time we broadcast a game, I hope Winthrop wins. If Winthrop is running good, when we go, Mike, they're 10 of 17 from three-point land, and they lead by 15. But if Furman is 10 of 17 from three-point land, and Winthrop has turned the ball over 10 times, I go... Mike, the Palatins are 10-17 from yeah. three-point land, and Winthrop is turning the ball over much too frequently.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure how the networks do it now. I know way back in the day they would have people you know, calling um, or they'd have stringers calling in numbers from different states. It may still be that way, maybe a little bit more easy with electronic um, you know, email and stuff like that. So I, I, I can't speak to that, but I do know I can assure you, they're trying to. They're doing the best they can. They're trying to get it as right as possible, and it's not about necessarily being first with it on a night like the election night. They want to get it right first because we've seen in the past where, where uh, outlets have kind of trump, have um, jumped the gun, is what I was trying to say. And uh,
1: did you say trump the gun? Well, I was going to say
0: <laughs> trump. I was, I was trying to be alliterative and, and, and say like they 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 would kind of trump the coverage. Uh, but it, it came out wrong. But, uh, but it wasn't It wasn't used as a, uh, a verb and not a person. The other thing
1: that I found very interesting about the election last night was following the betting line. Yes. I believe betting lines to be a tremendous and largely accurate indicator of what is to be expected. So if we open up the betting lines for this week's NFL games, yeah. and we see Kansas city is a 10 and point favored over Carolina. That is a pretty strong indicator that Kansas city has a very, very strong opportunity to win the game. And it may be a decisive win. Mm-hmm. Now, if the chiefs win by three, Okay, they didn't cover the spread, but they were expected to win. Sure. And if they win by 17, they do cover the spread, and it was kind of in line with what we were expecting. But if the Panthers were to win by 14, that would be a a, a big wow. Yeah, big like, upset. Oh my God. Right. Generally, betting lines are based on data. Sure. They are based on data numbers and analytics and that's why i like them so much the three teams that i have chosen in our little Mm -hmm. game and among my friends that i have liked best this year against the spread consistently are chicago detroit and denver those teams aren't sexy Mm -hmm. they aren't even really very good i just feel that because nobody likes those teams They offer value. Mm. I think you get just a little bit more out of them than you do Kansas City and Baltimore, who everybody knows. They're good. And and the money's
0: going to jump on them, and then the lines are going to be a little bit When I say I like
1: those teams, I'm talking on the margins i think there's a half point or a one point value i think betting on the nfl is insane there's so much readily available information for everyone vegas is really really good about setting lines you're not gonna make money consistently betting on the nfl maybe for a year or for two years but over a long period of time Wait, i have a friend
0: who says he never loses (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly
1: That same friend last night at 8 o'clock would have bet his house on the president winning re-election. Maybe the president is still going to win re-election. But the idea that the odds shifted so dramatically. I mean, it it was a roller coaster. And what did they shift on? It appeared to me that the major shift was... The president winning Florida. Right. Hey, that is significant. It was a state that seemed like it was up in the air. It appeared that he won decisively. Well,
0: and the big story there was Miami Dade County, where 100%. Biden won but did not win by the margin that Hillary Absolutely. won in 2016. And there
1: can be correlation. What happens in Florida may impact what happens in Georgia. What happens in Georgia may impact what happens in North Carolina. But the analytics, the numbers said that for the president to be reelected, he had to win Florida. So when he won Florida, why did he go from being a significant underdog to such a big favorite? That doesn't make any sense. And, like, the Super Bowl is one of the very, very few sporting events, maybe the only sporting event, that squares Mm -hmm. the public, impacts the line more than the intelligent insider bet. And I'm wondering if that's what happened with the election. There were so many people so into it. Sure, there were professional gamblers playing it, but I'm wondering if... People got the reports of Florida and just start throwing
0: their money on it. And but, that- but if you remember what happened at that same time. So you got to look at the whole map, not just a. you got dial in, you got dial down, you got drill down, Dave. Um, but a lot of the states where uh, Joe Biden had early leads because of early voting, uh, a lot of those leads were shrinking considerably uh, as the, as time that Florida went. So I think. Um, this is probably a horrible example, but it's kind of like when you're in a uh, like a 10 or 20, per, probably a 20 person league or maybe a 15 person fantasy football league, and somebody drafts a position way too early, and then everyone starts panicking. And the, yes. You know, I think it's a yes. little bit like that.
1: I, I like that analogy. That's exactly it. Well, George Kittle went, <laughs> yeah. while Travis Kelsey <laughs> yeah. went, oh my God. I'm going oh my-
0: to be without a tight end.
1: <laughs> CarCast with Mike Pacheco. I'm Dave Friedman. Send us an email here to CarCast at Outlook.com. You can follow
0: us Is on. Is it too early for the uh, 2024 lines?
1: Certainly <laughs> not. I have a friend that um, he's he's on top of this stuff. He's, he's into it. He was pondering the question a few days ago whether – the president had a better chance of being reelected next time. Yeah. Mm. Next time. And now if, 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 uh, if Biden wins, what are the chances that Trump will be the Republican nominee Mm. four years from now? So like, yeah, you can always look ahead. I mean, tomorrow, uh, not tomorrow, uh, Friday and Saturday are the breeders cup. That's right. I'm a big horse racing guy looking forward to the breeders cup. well, Jackie's Warrior right. is the enormous favorite yeah. in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, the race that will determine right. the two-year-old champion. Yeah. But you can bet on Jackie's Warrior to win the Kentucky Derby now, ah, too.
0: Yeah. Interesting. So yeah. yeah, of course. Are oh, we going to visit Churchill Downs? That's got to be in our well,
1: I don't, yeah. That's a that's a good question. What are we allowed? What are we allowed to do? What are we allowed to do? We we are well. Cert- now we
0: are experts at just going to a place and doing stuff yeah, outside. That, 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 that's true. That's Sometimes true. places happen to be closed when we roll in. I don't know if you
1: heard it. Our former colleague and good friend Jeremy Winder was interviewed on a Georgia Southern podcast oh. a couple of weeks ago. And he said very nice things about us oh, as nice. people that he had worked with yeah. and had helped him along in his career. And, you know, obviously Jeremy is, has, has moved on in his career and isn't going to be able to help us this year. Cause he works at Georgia Southern, not oh. Winthrop, but it's hard for you to mention. Will we go to church all without well, me thinking Jeremy, of, yeah. will we have Jeremy there? Cause he went to us with, went, Went with us to Keeneland, and
0: somewhat willingly.
1: Yeah, well, well, that's that's what I was going to say. I think he liked the horses, and he liked our enthusiasm. But the hour you need to be at the racetrack in order to kind of follow the the morning workouts—it's an early one. Now, this wasn't quite like chilly. This
0: wasn't quite like deer hunting, where we had to get up at four in the morning and walk out to the stand (laughs) like ten miles. But. Yeah, I mean, it was early. I mean, I think we left at 7. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's funny.
1: And then it was going to be a full day of work, including a game and a very long drive home. A long drive home.
0: Yeah, because we had a noon game, I think. Yeah, something like that. But we had good breakfast at Keeneland. At Keeneland, yeah.
1: Yeah. The day before, we saw Zenyatta. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it all comes full circle. The Breeders' Cup is at Uh, Keeneland this weekend.
0: Absolutely. And for our
1: full Breeders' Cup preview, or, or. are people are all twenty
0: two listeners tuned off yet? No, I, well, I think they want to get your picks, but we're going to save uh, <laughs> some of your analysis on that coming up later because we do have some um, interesting NFL discussion to uh, to get to. We do, and I think we should probably start with maybe I don't. Uh, can you? I don't know if you can call Pittsburgh a surprise team, but I guess maybe no one thought they would be seven and zero at this point. So have they kind of vaulted into the the top spot? Are they are they the best team? In the AFC, you still, have, uh, you still have, obviously, Kansas City, even though they have one loss. I think Baltimore still is in that mix at two losses. I, I, what do you think? What, what's, what's your synopsis on um, Pittsburgh?
1: I think Kansas City is the best team in the NFL. I think they have the best player in the NFL. I think they have the most depth in the league. I think they have one of the top coaches. And I think they should be the favorite to win the Super Bowl. That being said, you have to appreciate what Pittsburgh has done. I believe that they have gotten so deep. Like, they had, last year, it seemed like they had Juju Smith-Schuster mm-hmm. and a bunch of kind of guys that they weren't that enthusiastic in using. Yeah. And obviously, Ben Roethlisberger was hurt. Sure. So we and Connor kind of, was
0: hurt, too, last year, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, right. So we, we, we didn't see them to their full ability. Obviously. I mean, w- when you're playing quarterbacks that aren't really NFL quarterbacks, that, that's going to happen. CC Dallas. <laughs> right. But Roethlisberger has come back, and the way he is able to spread the ball around yeah. is remarkable. Chase Claypool looks like yeah. Calvin Johnson. Yeah. I mean, physically,
0: he looks like Calvin Johnson. That would be the comparison for him.
1: And they get him the ball on end arounds and screens. They send him down the field. It, they, they've become one of those offenses a little bit like the chiefs where what is it? You're going to mm-hmm. stop, like yeah. pick your poison, right. stop the passing game and they can run it or stop the outside guy. And they'll dink and mm-hmm. dunk you or play up on them. And will they'll, they'll throw the ball over the top. Like like they're really, really hard to defend. That being said, I didn't think they dominated the Ravens. Right. I mean, if you watch well, that whole game, game. Yeah. if you watch the whole game, thought it was pretty close to two evenly matched teams. They play again on Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm not convinced that Pittsburgh is dramatically better than them. I, I, I no, don't think they yeah, are. That's
0: close. It that was a close game.
1: It, it, it yeah. was a close game from the beginning. There were a couple of weird turnovers, but but give Pittsburgh credit. They're, they're a very good team. Is the AFC dramatically better than, than the NFC?
0: I think you do have to consider that, right? When you look at the standings, um, you know, Seattle is uh, – I think they're the only one-loss team, right, in the uh, – I have the standings right here, too. I should probably <laughs> – I wrote them out into Did you just as, do
1: the, the Rush Limbaugh?
0: The- yeah, yeah. In my formerly nicotine-stained hands, even though I've <laughs> never done nicotine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Seattle's the only one-loss team. You have a team that's three, four, and one leading a division, in the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, that's it. Was well, funny because I think you said, uh, and we'll get to this later, but you had asked me about, um, you know, what 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 do we think the seven playoff teams are? If they I'm sorry, g- what? <laughs> if they don't have, if they don't go to the, uh, you know, if they don't miss a week and go to the eight-team format, and I basically came up with. Um, six teams in the NFC. And then I just put and an NFC East. And now <laughs> yeah, we could very well be them. No, I, I, I think the advantage goes to the, uh, I think it goes to the AFC this year right now. I mean, it seems to me that the
1: AFC is definitely deeper, but I also think they're better at the top. Right. If you tell me the top team in the NFC is Seattle, I'm not going to have a tremendous argument with that. I think Kansas City is better than Seattle. If you say the second best team in the NFC is Green Bay, fine. That's a team that just lost to the Vikings at home. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Vikings are any right. good. And I think Green Bay is inferior to Baltimore yeah. or, or in Pittsburgh or, yeah. or whoever. And then when you continue to go down the list, Tennessee is not bad. The Raiders but Tennessee showing a little bit
0: of Yeah, I'm not yeah.
1: suggesting that they're the best team in the AFC, but they're they're a playoff team. Who who would who would be the NFC's equivalent? I mean, other than the four teams in the NFC West. And the 49ers just they look like they've had too many injuries yeah, they, they, it's, that it's, they can't compete yeah, it, anymore.
0: like attrition has gotten to them. Right. I mean, I think Tennessee's better than Arizona. I agree with that. Well, but I don't know. I wouldn't know that. I would say that Tennessee is better than Tampa Bay or New Orleans.
1: Yeah, that's probably accurate. I mean, how do we feel about Tampa Bay at this stage?
0: I mean, it's a team that's on the rise, right? Went, uh, th- three straight, and I think what six out of their last seven. I mean, did you watch the game on Monday night? Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was good. I, I tell you what. What's interesting is, and, and you know, this this debate cannot really be fully answered on one season. But if you just based the argument of, um, you know, who's gotten the better of Tom Brady leaving, or is it, you know, Bill Belichick, the genius? I mean, Brady, it looks cl- I mean, at one season, it looks like... I mean, we talked about it last yeah. week. The
1: Patriots don't have any good players. Yeah. Like, like Tom Brady was playing with a bunch of dung. And now he's playing with really good players. And all of a sudden, he looks better. I don't think he looks great. I think he looks like he's a professional freaking quarterback who's got good weapons no, around when him. No,
0: have when you have his smarts with enough of his ability left at age 43 and good players around him, he doesn't need to do too much. He just needs to be you know good enough. Yet, they trail
1: the Giants 14-3. to 3. Yeah. And down the stretch in the game, they get a first down. They're going to win the game at the yeah. end. Instead, on third and short, they can't push the pile for a yard. What did you think of Bruce Arians' decision? He makes the exact opposite decision that we saw in that Seattle, was it Seattle-Minnesota yeah, game? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It it was Mike Zimmer who went for it in a similar situation, didn't get it. Russell Wilson drove down the field and beat the Vikings. Well, this was the same thing. Bruce Arians elects to kick the field goal, and then the Giants go right down the field, score, and the two-point conversion, a flag comes down. And and then they they pick up the flag. But but like that's the same, the same scenario. Two coaches making different decisions. Bruce Arians. Now, maybe he's saying, I don't think Daniel Jones can drive down the field for a touchdown and get a two and beat me in overtime. Right. So maybe that's why he kicked the field goal. But third and inches, come up short, fourth and inches, now yeah, let's send out the kicking unit. Yeah. That doesn't show an, an abundance of confidence. I mean, the Giants are one of the five, six, eight worst teams in yeah. the NFL. They only one win. The Patriots, the Patriots, Brady, the the Buccaneers show up on Monday night. Yeah. Now you could also say, good teams find a way to win, and they won the game. Right, doesn't really matter how you got
0: yeah, there. Yeah, I mean that was definitely an ugly, you know, an ugly win. But you know, that's you know, playoff teams win those games. You said a couple minutes ago
1: that you think Tennessee maybe is good, not great, and then we brought up. New Orleans and Tampa Bay. Who has a better chance of winning the Super Bowl? Tennessee mm. or Tampa Bay?
0: I would uh, There's
1: no wrong answer.
0: No, I know, but of those teams I would say uh, I would say Tampa Bay because I think Tennessee would have a tighter it's a tougher advancement in the AFC. I agree. I
1: think the analytics would say Tampa Bay. The NFC is easier. Yeah. Their path is easier. And they probably have better, not players, but marquee players, name players. Their mm-hmm. coaching staff is probably, um, they, they probably have more championship rings combined. They're probably more experienced. But I like Tennessee's team better. I don't believe in Tampa Bay. They, they've had a good year. Yeah. They're probably going to the playoffs. But I don't trust them.
0: Well, and down the stretch, uh, you know, New Orleans and they're at Carolina, they have the Rams, Kansas City, bye week, then they have Minnesota, Atlanta, Detroit, and Atlanta again.
1: Yeah, I mean they should go to the playoffs, you know. I still think New Orleans is better than them, but New Orleans has looked flawed too. Well, they've been up and down too, right? I mean they uh is Michael Thomas going to come back as Michael Thomas or is Oof. he not going to come back or come back as a different guy? I think if you add him to that offense, we talked about the Kansas City offense. I I think that offense is close to unstoppable when you put in one of the best receivers mm-hmm. in the NFL. And again, I don't think Drew Brees is the player he was five years ago. Correct. But boy, Alvin Kamara is... Unbelievable! Unbelievable! Unbelievable!
0: And you know he didn't really run the ball well on Sunday night, but he had like I think close to 100 yards receiving. I mean he's such a dual threat and he's tough to get down. And I don't trust their defense, but I don't trust Tampa Bay's defense either. But I would say this though, um, outside of maybe Baltimore, whose defense would you say if you were to take Chicago? Chicago. Chicago's
1: offense is not good. No, the defense and Chicago's coaching is not good. Right. And that defense has held them together and won
0: them games yeah well saw that against carolina
1: yeah i I, like the bears are such an easy team to poke fun at and maybe their record is inflated to a degree but they win games because they get stops and Yeah. yeah they win ugly And, I mean, certainly the quarterback play has been bad, but they're going to be in the playoffs. Like, like, that's a perfect example. Chicago, Tampa Bay in the playoffs. Probably the home team is Mm -hmm. the favorite, but Tampa Bay is such a public team with Brady and the explosive offensive weapons, and people are down on Chicago. Those two teams meet in the playoffs i will happily take the Bears and the points.
0: It'll be interesting, though, because in that game, you know, the supposition there is that Chicago would be able to do a pretty decent number on Brady. Now, here's the key to that, and and this is by no means, um, you know, this is not a state secret. So don't 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 call the CIA on this one. But the the way to beat Brady is the the game plan is easy. The execution is not so easy. If you just put pressure on him, knock him off his spot, um, you know. People know I grew up a New England fan, and on Sunday morning we were watching the shows, the the, the pregame shows, and. They did a like a montage story on the um the Giants Super Bowl win when the Patriots were 18 and 0. David Tyree? David the uh,
1: Was he in there?
0: No, uh, he, they didn't have him, but they had the uh, play.
1: Hold on, so David Tyree made an appearance in the vignette?
0: His play did, yes. Really?
1: Yeah. They included that. They did include that. Interesting editorial decision. Yeah. Syracuse University's David Tyree. Yeah.
0: yeah. So anyway, so that's uh but I mean, that's, that's the key. If you can get pressure on Brady uh, and make him uncomfortable, uh, he'll look very pedestrian, very human. It's just, you know, not a lot of teams are able to do that all the time.
1: Speaking of pressure, I was watching the debut of Tua Tagovailoa last Sunday. And to say that you have no clue whether he's good or not is a a drastic understatement. I mean, the defense scores once and the special team scores once and, and, The Rams turned the ball over four times in the first half. If you wanted to see Tua hand the ball off,
0: that man can really
1: (laughs) hand that ball off. I mean, you you just have no clue because he was never put in that situation. He he didn't look very good early, and kind of by the time he would have been needed, he he wasn't needed. But that's
0: almost like the perfect scenario, though.
1: Absolutely. But I am so impressed by week in, week out the Dolphin game plan. Yeah. They're not that talented a football team. But the week they played San Francisco, 49ers had major injuries in the secondary. And they had a guy playing corner that just didn't look like an NFL corner. Yeah. And they just threw the ball in that direction play after play after play after play. And I don't know if it's a Jared Goff thing or it's a Rams offensive line thing, but I've, I, I've been watching dolphin games. The huge majority of them for 30 some years. I can never remember a game where the dolphins blitz so much mm. and play after play, the Rams couldn't pick up the blitz play after yeah. play. They got pressure. And when Goff was pressured, he made bad decisions. It will be fascinating to me to see what the game plan other teams execute against the Rams going forward is. Is that something they can mimic? Or is it the fact the Dolphins have spent more, a higher percentage on their secondary than anyone else in the league, that they're able to send six and seven guys because they can play zero coverage and feel comfortable behind it?
0: Yeah, and that's what's interesting, too, is, you know, Brian Flores, a Bill Belichick disciple, New England disciple. So it's interesting See that he's having success. I think that's that's a good sign because you know you, you've seen a bunch of guys that have uh, left New England and for uh, greener pastures and they haven't turned out to be so green. Huh. Uh, although this is green because they're in Miami and that's part of their color, but <laughs> that, that's another story. <laughs>
1: What else do we have on the agenda? Um,
0: I think we covered everything, didn't are we? Are you gonna
1: pick the uh, the Patriots game this week? Oh yeah, the, the uh, Patriots are uh, the line is like they're a touchdown favorite on the road yeah, facing the road. The, uh, the, yeah. the fourth best team in the SEC, the New York <laughs> Jets.
0: <laughs> well, if they cannot beat this team, uh, this New York Jets team by touchdown. <laughs> even though it's on the road then they they probably don't belong in the NFL all right I'm gonna. I said it last week I was uh, I think I won even though I was wrong meaning uh, I thought it was gonna be a really good bounce back game for them and uh well they did bounce back in the fourth quarter unfortunately bad camp showed up and uh, fumbled the ball as they were you know seemingly ready to, to poise to go in for a game winning score
1: I still don't know how good Buffalo is I have a uh, very yeah. hard time reading how, how how strong they are. So, like, I don't know if that's a, a New England team that played really poorly the previous week, went to Buffalo, gave them their best shot, and came up just short, or it's kind of a middling okay Buffalo team and the Patriots just aren't very good.
0: Well, and I I think this is a pivotal week for Cam Newton. You know, I've seen that man do amazing Tune things. Tune in next
1: week when we call next week a pivotal week <laughs> for Cam Newton as well.
0: No, but I, I think, Dave, coming off of um, this past week where he had the ball in his – I mean, look, that was the situation the Patriots wanted. They wanted the ball in his hands, and he couldn't make a play. And, you know, is, is he going to – you know, it's pivotal in the sense of is it a trend? In other words, is he like, um, I don't know, pick a power hitter in his last season where he strikes out every bat? I mean, is he that guy, or is he – Still, he, look, he's playing for a contract next year, and it, and it's probably not, not in New England. And who, who? I mean, who would sign him to a contract, even for a two-year deal right now?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, there's no market. So,
0: I mean, he's, he's got to do something. There's not much talent around I'm him.
1: not sure there's much tread left on the tires. I mean, in week one, he ran the ball 15 times, and he looked great. Since COVID, he has not looked great. And... I mean, we all remember the MVP season. Yeah. We all remember at his best how unstoppable right. he is, but Well, that was that was uh
0: before a bunch of injuries and TJ Watt hit and He
1: doesn't look as fast anymore. No. He doesn't look quite as confident anymore. I'm not willing to say it's over, but I think it's trending. But that I think way. he's
0: got to evolve. I think he's got to um be better at, you know, Making throws downfield, putting touch on the ball, like he's—I just don't think that's who he is. I think he is the ability. Been I don't know, a if, capable passer. Yeah, but I think also a lot of times when you're that gifted, you tend tends to rely on your gifts, you know. And I think w- w- with the you know, with you know, look, age, no age is undefeated. No one beats Father Time. Like you can't have his style of game forever. It just can't
1: happen. I like the uh, Saints getting five and a half at Tampa Bay. One final story. Yeah. So I'm watching CNN last night, and John King is going through his county-by-county county analysis, yeah. and I'm like, this guy's good. Yeah. like th- This guy knows his stuff. And my wife is kind of passively not really watching, and she goes, I- I'm kind of like, I- I'm writing a blog about the Breeders' Cup while I'm yeah. watching, so I'm kind of listening but not really watching. <laughs> and she goes, did you just see that? And I'm like, no, what? And we, like, rewind the TV. It's like we're watching a sporting event. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. rewinding CNN's coverage. And at one point, uh, Wolf Blitzer interrupted and said, we've got breaking news or some sort of update. Dana, and throws to Dana Bash. Yeah. And she talks for a little while, but they keep John King on camera. Right. So it's kind of like a split screen. Yeah, 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 yeah And yeah. she's talking about... The latest, whatever it is. And she starts talking about counties in various states. And she's talking about Ah, Fulton County. And he knows all the counties off the top of his head. So he can click on Pennsylvania and go to Allegheny County. And she mentions Fulton County and he clicks on Georgia and he knows right where it is. First of all, there are a lot of freaking counties in this country. To know like a whole lot of them off the top of your head and be able to find them on a map. That's really difficult. And... She's I mean, she's talking for probably three minutes, and he is able, without ever opening his mouth, to click on things and highlight things and circle things. So and, he's like
0: illustrating what she's saying, w-
1: which is like brilliant.
0: Yeah, a, so a beautiful mind.
1: At some point in the night, I go, I mean, I know I've seen John King before, but I, I don't really know his story. so i I google him. that's what they, <laughs> yeah. th- that's what we do, yeah, right? right?? So I Google him. And I'm reading his age and where he went to college and all this stuff. Dana Bash is his
0: ex-wife. That's hilarious. <laughs> I think I did know that. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. I just thought
1: that was like like you would never have known from watching right, TV. Right, right,
0: right. Well, sometimes the second act works, right? <laughs> uh, uh, breeders, anything on the Breeders' Cup? Do you want to give a little a uh, uh, hint of what you're looking at? or Sure. Well, we'll
1: talk about the Breeders' Cup Classic for 60 seconds. Okay. Okay. The classic. Hold on a minute. You
0: want me to time you? Yeah, uh, time me. Hold on. I'm gonna put you on the clock here. All right. You ready? Your sixty seconds starts now.
1: I don't like horses who are doing things they've never done before. Yeah. So the three year olds are facing older horses for the first time. That's a really difficult thing to do for Tis the Law and for Authentic maximum security was the best horse for a long time but there are issues with the trainer who was arrested he was changed to a different barn he hasn't been nearly the same since improbable is the one horse running really well who has consistently beaten older horses not going to get an amazing price yeah. i think improbable wins
0: you still have 25 seconds uh,
1: <laughs> more on more on john
0: king <laughs> no it's okay uh i was gonna wait for the the sound effect but we'll um we'll let it we'll let it go so well that that's it. That's the that's the bearded carcast week nine in the NFL. Glad you joined us. Make sure you follow along and subscribe. We love it when people subscribe. And a, a little tip: just, we learned this a couple weeks ago. If you subscribe, uh, and if you subscribe on Apple iTunes particularly, uh, you will get the podcast quicker than if you just go to Apple. And, uh, and look it up because it'll tell you, hey, your uh, podcast is ready to go. The Bearded Carcast is out. So go listen. Leave us a review. Uh, send us an email at beardedcarcast, uh, beardedcarcast at outlook.com, and you can follow along on Twitter at beardedcarcast.